Welcome, Trust and Believe listeners. My name is Sean T. I'm your host for Trust and Believe. Today, we have a really great question and answer conversation that's going to happen between my safe space community and the amazing Sean Stevenson. He released a book called Eat Smarter, and in this book, there are so many great things that are going to take you on a journey when it comes to what you're putting in your body, how much energy you expend while your food is digesting, and many, many more nutrition tips. So I hope you can stick around, learn a little bit more about how to eat smarter. Get ready to trust and believe. What's up? This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I'll begin here, Sean. So Rachel Jean says, I can't get my husband on board financially to buy quality meats. He won't make the switch to grass-fed or organic meat. So my question is, I work so hard to eat clean. Is this one small area meat undoing all of my hard work and still having a major impact on my health and immune system? This is so good. I like I like these people already. <laughs> um, this is so good. And Sean, as you know, I didn't leave any stone unturned in each martyr. We addressed this topic also. And yeah. just for folks that are wondering, like, why does it matter? You know, why does it matter? It does matter. And so we'll start with that. Um, right now in the United States, the vast majority of animals that are being consumed on a daily basis are from what's become a popular part of our lexicon, which is these factory farms. And it's common practice. And what what I'm going to share right now is going to trip you out. All right. It's common practice. The first part, you know, these cows are fed grain diets, grain-based diets, corn, soy. Um, But what's going to trip you out is the fact that it's routine and it's been for many years to add antibiotics to the feed for these cows Now, this is what the issue is. It was found, it wasn't because, of course, they're trying to prevent the diseases that manifest in these cows because they're eating an abnormal diet. I don't know about you, I've never seen a cow out like shucking corn or like 
picking soybeans, you know, like we've, we've <laughs> given these cows things that are abnormal in their own diet. So what happens when we eat abnormal diets, we develop diseases. And so to help to reduce diseases in the cows, they would give them antibiotics, but they found a hidden benefit by giving the cows antibiotics. It radically increases the weight gain of the cows and the output of meat and of dairy. So they make the cows bigger by giving them antibiotics. And the majority of antibiotics that are produced and sold in the United States are not for humans. They're for cattle. All right. So they're artificially inflating the weight of the cows by giving them antibiotics. Is it a problem? What do you think? You know, like these are all things that are continuing to unfold and we give the latest data. But so that's part one. So these are very sick animals. Inherently, they're sick animals. And we are, in turn, it's not you are what you eat. It's you are what you eat, ate. So when we're eating animals that are dealing with these levels of disease, it's problematic. And the other part is the nutrition, which now we have very clear evidence that grass-fed beef versus conventional, you know, these factory-farmed animals, or even corn-fed, like good old-fashioned corn-fed beef. Corn is not a natural um, cow, uh, cow food. And so what we see is that the ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s is dramatically different. And so omega-3s are well noted to be this kind of anti-inflammatory omega fatty acid. Omega-6s are more the pro-inflammatory. Both matter. We need omega-6s. But the ratio as we evolved as humans was around 3 to 1, omega-6 to omega-3, respectively. Now, the average person, 17 to 1, pro-inflammatory omega to anti-inflammatory omega. Now we have epidemics of inflammation. Obesity is related to inflammation. Alzheimer's related to inflammation. Diabetes is related to inflammation. All right? It's not an accident. Our food has changed what we're consuming, and it changes the, the fat cascade in our body. Some folks have up to 50 to 1 omega-6 to omega threes in their body, all right, or in their diet. It's it's insane. That said, all right, sounds bad for the conventional grass, I mean, a grain-fed animal, but let me be clear. There is no, there is no diet aspect that is like the thing that is going to make or break you. It's really about stacking conditions in your favor. So if you're doing, you know, seven really good things for your body, you know, uh, and there's some of these things we could talk about today. And, you know, you're working out with Shanti. You're doing all of these good things. I don't want you to be neurotic about eating some less expensive conventional raised beef. Because even if you're eating that versus eating a Pop-Tart, you're still probably winning a little bit. You know what I mean? If like you got to put stuff in context. And that's the big problem. We talked about this a little bit of the diet dogma is that these things are so bad and these things are so good. It's not like that. Every single food has its place. Every single food has a purpose and a value. Even that damn Pop-Tart. I promise you, if this is a zombie apocalypse, which is looking like right now, and there's no food, and you find a Pop-Tart, it can keep you going for another day. It can keep you alive. But on a regular day, day-to-day basis, would I go for that Pop-Tart to make me feel my best, perform my best? Probably not. But everything has its value. And that's really one of the things I want to instill and, again, be a unifier of all diets. Thank you. Okay, so next question is from Brandy Uh, Archibald. What is one thing you have done in 2020 to help 
him be healthier through the pandemic. So what is one thing you've done for yourself to be healthier through the pandemic? I think before you answer, that is such an amazing question for me um, too, even as a, a quote unquote leader in the health and fitness industry, because a lot of people out there, no matter what you're great at, it's easy to preach like, do this, do this, do this. But it's like, what are you, what did you have to change? What did you have to enhancing your own life and i i just think that's a really great question and you know i want to hear this too so you know let's go (laughs) all right you know this is such a great question and for me what i've really um cultivated in my in myself and my thought process and my perspective i'm always asking is this normal you know is this normal for the development of a healthy human being so anything that starts to stray away from the things that our genes expect of us always puts up a red flag for me. And so when we move away from doing the things that our genes expect us to do, for example, during this time, obviously, there's been a complexity of movement and exercise, not so much because of the community and the impact that Sean T has. My next door neighbor, he used to, the gym was his sanctuary. There's been several times throughout this experience the past few months, I'll go next door and he's over there working out, looking at your video. He's like, I hate Shanti. I hate him, but I love him. You know what I mean? So it's, it's had to reframe it. But for most people and his friend included, one of his friends hadn't even left really his house or his block for several months. And so um, this experience has, has encouraged me to help repackage things because for myself I, I never stopped you know like I was Sean knows it's like I was recovering from an injury and so I just started whenever I know that the principle is do what I can do do what I can do never let any of life circumstances stop me from doing what I can do you know what's in what's it what's within my power and with that said it's very important for people to know that one of the things that was fast-tracked by the FDA as a treatment for COVID-19 was a drug that targets our natural killer cells because they found very early on that our natural killer cells, which is one aspect of our immune system, which is a very dynamic, adaptive immune system, because what they said in the beginning was there's no innate immunity, but we have this entire adaptive immune system that, you know, right now we have upwards of about, you know, 50 million people who've recovered from this condition, this, this infection. And it wasn't because they had a drug yet. It's largely because of their immune systems doing this thing that it's designed to do. Not to say that this isn't a tremendous problem and something to be concerned about, but we're not really addressing the thing that makes us human. The thing that has gotten us to this point, which is this amazing immune system we have. But this drug, and this is also why children seem to be far less, I mean, by orders of magnitude, it's it's ridiculous, far less susceptible. They have a tremendous, their natural killer cells are so good at natural killer cells are sort of like these little internal like ninja trainers like they adapt to any pathogen and figure it out and so that's just one aspect we got neutrophils t cells b cells all that stuff but nk cells they fast track a drug for it listen to this appalachia state university did a study and they found that simply going for a short walk just a short walk immediately boosts your natural killer cell production and mobilization and effectiveness just going for a short walk all right these things exist but not once in the media have you heard anybody saying 
America, this is a time to really take care of your fitness and your health. Just 10 minutes a day, I need you guys to get outside and walk or jump on a treadmill or walk or walk in place. If they would have made that a mandate with the amount of fear that's tied to this, more people would have been encouraged to do it. But we've had this dramatic decline in folks taking care of their fitness. Uh, so that's one thing that I've been that I've made a mandate to do every day, no matter what, just do what I can is to uphold a, a, some modicum of fitness. And lastly, I want to share this because I'm here with you guys and I do not want to leave this unsaid. But I also like to back everything up with data just because it hits a different layer of our understanding. There's a journal for every topic with health. And there's a journal, it's called Stress and Health. And it's a very prestigious peer-reviewed journal. And they found that there's a direct correlation between an individual's capacity to deal with stress and their natural killer cell activity. They found that folks who do not cope well with stress have dramatic suppression of their natural killer cell production and activity. Are we more or less stressed right now? Far more. It's not, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of stress and it's, it's suppressing one of the, if not the most dynamic and effective part of our immune system to help keep us healthy. And everywhere we turn, all we see is stress, more messages to stress us the hell out. We have to take back control of our minds. So of everything that I've done personally, it's this one thing. And fortunately, life constructed itself in such a way. I spent a lot of time by myself just walking up and down my block doing this rehab that I was doing for this injury. And I just had time to just look at these different ideas and these perspectives and to just like embrace and look at what is going to be serving to me to serve others. And I can't be stressed the hell out right now uh, because I'm going to hurt myself and I'm going to inhibit my ability to serve and to help other people to take back control of their mind a little bit and have a modicum of self-empowerment and to know what you can do, not just all the stuff you can't do, but to know what you can do. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of what the media is saying to scare us, but I will say that, you know, it, it, I talk a lot about mental health, which obviously compounds on the stress that we all have. I know even for me, like, let's just take away the pandemic, being stuck in the house, not being able to be with your family. Like, let's just take that away in general, which stress is going to happen anyway even if we were allowed to come out of go out of the house and do what we normally do um be it family or friends and so the thing i just want to add to that is the stress that's happening because of the pandemic is com- compounded on the things that naturally happen that we all you're going to wake up tomorrow and something's going to stress you the hell out it might be your spouse you know there and then you're stressed about something else that does that then brings stress into your relationships right just saying just hearing that you know for i know a lot of you here work out every day but if for some reason you feel like i want to skip i want you to go back to just being like well what can i do 
because that's what I, the conversation I have with a good friend of mine, I got him back on track because I'm like, what are you willing to invest in? And he said, I can invest four days a week, 30 minutes a day. So I designed him a workout program, Sean. And I was like, this is the workout, but stop at 30 minutes. If you, if this workout is taking you longer than 30 minutes, you stop at 30 minutes. And yesterday he worked out and he's, he was like, I was like, how'd you do? And he's like, I stopped at 30 minutes. He was a little, um, he was like trying to beat himself up a little bit. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, 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 no. We agree. Like this is your investment. And so I developed another workout today and I was like, if you don't finish, stop at 30 minutes. That's what you can do. And that's what you can invest in yourself. So that's just like really the cosign of what Sean is saying to a lot of you all. You know, I also talk about digging deep. If you can do one more push-up, if you can and you want to, do that. But I say leave yourself wanting more, but also being able to stay consistent and committed to what it is that you're doing. So I love that, Sean. Thank you. Our next question is Kathy, who's here. Um, Kathy, how come, Kathy asks, how come when I eat some things, I am able to control portion size, but when I eat other stuff, it seems like... It seems like it starts an out of control binge. It's like that popcorn that has that cheddar on it. And you'd be like, and all of a sudden you got like a little bit left and you're like, I ain't going to eat the rest. <laughs> you already ate the rest. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, Sean, why does that happen to us? Uh, this is such a good question. And of course, like Sean just mentioned, all of us experience this. Uh, at some level. And this really has to do with um, really interesting aspects with neurobiology, just what's going on with our brain and how it affects what's happening with our physical body, the rest of us. So I want to preface by saying this, a lot of these things are happening in our minds, but Hmm. we don't tend to, to, to really get that. Your brain is controlling everything about your physiology with an important caveat, which is your gut is largely determining what's happening with your brain. There's this dynamic connection, this gut-brain axis that is becoming really the the top focus in science right now because one of the aspects, for example, is the vagus nerve, which is constantly sending data back to the brain about, hey, like, we got some needs down here. We're going to need you to address. Like, put all systems go to go and, you know, grab whatever it is. A big part of it, when we have hunger and cravings, has to do with deficiencies. I want you guys to walk away with this statement today. Chronic nutrient deficiency leads to chronic overeating. All right. Chronic nutrient deficiency leads to chronic overeating. As we evolved, flavors, and we talk about this too, uh, flavors actually had nutritive feedback. There's like a nutritive association between certain flavors and foods and certain nutrients that our body would get. So we would link up psychologically like animals in nature. They know what foods to go to to get the needs that that they have met. It's based on that. It's based on the flavors driving them to get their selenium or their vitamin C or these particular amino acids. It's based on that for animals that have access to various foods. Our nutritive association has been hijacked. And so we might be deficient in magnesium, which is responsible for over 350 biochemical processes in our body. A lot of them have to do with modulating stress. 
56% of Americans are defi- chronically deficient in magnesium. So our body might be drastically desiring and driving us to eat something to get some magnesium in, to get some zinc in, to get some omega-3s in, to keep you alive. And if that hunger, if that is not associated with the nutrient coming in, you're just going to eat whatever. And so in comes, you know, that cheddar popcorn. And it's like, I got some <laughs> instant like satisfaction, but then it quickly dissolves and goes away because I didn't just eat a handful. I just left the crumbs left. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, like Sean mentioned the example. And so it's usually tied to us needing something. You know, our bodies are driving us to have something. That's part one. And the question is why some foods I can have portion control while others not so much. The other aspect of this is the relationship with what's happening with our hormones and neurotransmitters when we eat certain foods. All right. So certain foods that we eat have this very satiating effect and literally just activating the activity and the sensitivity as well for our hunger modulating hormones or like satiety hormones like leptin, for example. And CCK and GLP-1 and all these other ones, we go through in depth and eat smarter. So you know what all these different things are because they're related to different aspects of our health. Like leptin, for example, is actually produced by your fat cells, ironically. So you would, and leptin is the satiety hormone. It makes us feel satisfied. You would think if we have a lot of fat, we feel more satisfied. (laughs) But that's not how it works because as our body fat goes up, it's kind of like that leptin hormonal DM starts to go to spam because it's getting hit so much and your system is like, I'm just going to put that to spam, must be spam. And so the leptin sensitivity goes down. So number one, we have to do what's necessary for ourself, ourself and our unique metabolism to increase our sensitivity to our hunger, I'm sorry, our satiety-related hormones and do what's necessary to help to reduce the activity of our hunger-related hormones that play a role. They're trying to get us to eat more because we need something. And lastly, when it comes to this conversation, I mentioned the the gut-brain connection, right? This could be, you know, we got some psychological needs too, you know, like we just, we might need some sweetness in our life, all right? And that's understandable. And so that's why, like, I'm good with the, the chicken And, you know, the broccoli, like I can eat, you know, I'm good with that. But then like, I really need some sweetness in my life. And also carbohydrates have this interesting impact on serotonin, this feel good neurotransmitter. So Mm -hmm. stress might cause us unknowingly to go and to dip into that, that sweet thing a little bit more than we might plan on it. Okay. So it might be that psychological. And lastly is the microbiome connection, which at the end of the day, you have microbes in your gut that drive your appetite as well. You have gut bacteria. You have trillions and trillions of bacteria that are more apt to increase the hunger or desire for high carbohydrate and sugar foods, you know, because that's what they want to stay in, in the house, you know, in your metaphoric building, you know? And so what we have to do is help to, encourage a shift in that microbiome cascade to ensure that microbes that are related to satiety and balance and even, you know, uh, what we call, quote, fat burning, that that starts to reign supreme in your gut. But for you to do that, you have to shift the diversity of the foods that you're eating too. Because even if you're eating healthy, guys, we tend to get in this 
food prep gone awry. You know, we tend to eat the same thing. Chicken, rice, broccoli. Chicken, rice, broccoli. Chicken, sweet potato, broccoli. (laughs) Diversify that microbiome. We need to diversify our foods. And that's one of the real big takeaways uh, as well. I know for Scott and I, especially in the first part of the pandemic, obviously going through the entire pandemic, is... For some reason, before the pandemic, we were like, okay, we had the foods that we're going to eat, boom, boom, boom. But for some reason, the pandemic has made us constantly switch up the foods. Like, I got really, we got really into cooking different things and like coming over with different recipes and like, and getting all of these just different things to put in your body so that you can, you know, you, you get everything. And in addition to that, you know, I've actually started like IV therapy to enhance some of those vitamins and things that go on to my body, but that's a whole nother subject. Um, I want to, I want to switch subjects a little bit, Sean. Um, and you know a lot about this next question. I think, I thought this next question is great. And Maritza, raise your hand. Who's here. She asked this question. Uh, how can we look at what we consume to help with how we sleep? You're going to love the rest of this. I know. Uh, I've always struggled with sleep and wonder if there are any vitamins slash minerals or foods we should look at to help with getting a decent night's rest because I feel broken most days due to poor sleep. Mm, you know, I like this. You know, I like this. No. All right. So one of my favorite chapters in the book is called edible sleep and (laughs) we're speaking directly about the connection between our nutrition and our sleep quality and it is definitely the number one most overlooked thing in sleep wellness in our world today because you can get the most fancy mattress there's the posturpedic orthopedic pedic pedic mattress you can get the (laughs) you can get the fancy pillow you know you can get the chili pad you can have the blue light blocking glasses you can have it all how you know all this how you know all the things because i put it out there (laughs) i'm the one sleep smarter i love it i know that's why i just wanted them to know (laughs) (laughs) but in sleep smarter i mentioned this a little bit but i go in depth in eat smarter you know i couldn't do that book without mentioning the nutrition aspect but here's the thing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We can do all the things, all the things, but we don't really understand. And this is a big part of this mission to really get all of our sleep related hormones and neurotransmitters that enable our body to do the thing that we call sleep. They're made from food. They're made 
from the food that we eat. And so if you're deficient in the building blocks that make your sleep-related hormones, that make your sleep-related neurotransmitters, guess what? You're going to have sleep problems. You're going to have issues with your sleep quality. So that's what we focus on. And I'm going to mention this really quickly, then give some specifics. But this goes back again to the connection between the microbiome and what's happening with your brain, specifically what's happening with your sleep. When I was in college, I was taught, I just taught a neuroscience, uh, did a guest lecture for a neuroscience class at NYU last week, all right? When I was in school, I didn't get to learn what I'm about to teach you. I was taught that melatonin, which is largely considered like the master regulator of your sleep, but melatonin is so much more. It is a master regulator of your circadian timing system, of your literal biological rhythm and how your body is associating with the world. And like why that matters is your body's producing hormones at a certain tempo throughout the day, every day. When that schedule gets messed up, your hormones get messed up. All right. This is why daylight savings time mess people up every year. There's an increase in heart attacks. There's an increase in trap in, uh, in accidents. But nobody is just like, oh, well, just, you know, people sleep is whatever. Even if it, you get an hour extra sleep, it's just throwing that clock off a little bit. So I want to preface with that. I was taught that melatonin was producing your pineal gland in your brain. That's it. Next. Next page. That was it. Footnote. Today, we know that there is 400 times more melatonin in your gut than in your brain. And even if you had your pineal gland removed, the levels of melatonin still stay consistent in your body because of the enterochromaffin cells. All the different cells in the gut associated with large ties of the bacteria communicating with these cells, the production and storage of melatonin in your gut. What you put in your gut inherently affects your melatonin production. All right, so I want to share that. We have to take care of this gut microbiome. We have to take care of this cascade. So, but they're also these, what I call these good sleep nutrients. These are the, the literal precursors to making the things that I've been talking about. So I'll just share a couple of those really quickly. Um, I'm going to start with one that was the most surprising for me because it does so many things, but I guess then it shouldn't be surprising, but it's the least talked about in relationship to sleep. And that's omega-3 fatty acids. All right. Omega-3s, uh, one of the peer-reviewed studies that I, that I talked about help to not just reduce daytime sleepiness, but also help to improve your sleep efficiency because it's not about necessarily just sleeping more, it's sleeping better. Because a lot of people get seven, eight hours of sleep, but they're still tired all the time or they wake up not feeling like they got a good night's sleep. So omega-3s help with that pathway. It's a building block of some of these hormones and neurotransmitters. Also, um, one of the studies found that uh, deficiency in vitamin C directly correlated with more interrupted sleep. So folks that are having trouble staying asleep and going through their sleep cycles effectively, it could be related to a vitamin C deficiency. And you might be like, well, no, it can't. that's not why I, I take a vitamin C supplement or whatever. You know, I drink Sunny D, you know, I don't know. But there are many different types of these nutrients, all right? So vitamin C isn't just one thing. It isn't just ascorbic acid. It isn't just like, this supplement form. That might not be the type of vitamin C you need. Same thing with magnesium. There's multiple forms. B vitamins, we know there's multiple forms. But even with B12, for example, there's multiple forms of that. So how do you get the type you need? Food. 
food has all these different cofactors and biopotentiators that give you like an array of all of them versus a synthetic supplement. Not to say the synthetic supplement can't be helpful. So targeting foods that are high in, in the things that I'm talking about. So another one is potassium. It's really important for sleep quality, relaxation, magnesium. Uh, where are you going to find these things? Omega-3s, what we have in the data, uh, fatty fish is the source that's most studied. And some folks, if you're like, well, I'm a vegan, I'm vegetarian. Uh, some folks just like, I don't like fish. I don't like the way it smells. It reminds me that I don't know, you know, like I don't like it. And so if that's you, then not only do we have fish, but fatty fish, salmon, mackerel, sardines. We have clinical peer-reviewed evidence that simply eating one seafood meal per week, folks who did that did in fact perform better on cognitive skills tests, did in fact have better sleep quality. All right, one seafood meal per week versus people who had less than one per week. Very simple. Or and or a big why is the EPA and DHA that's found in the fish, which you can get from fish oil supplement. I would recommend getting it sourced as good as possible. And and also, uh, if you're vegan and vegetarian, then we're looking towards krill oil. Krill is a microscopic shrimp. But that's if, on your ethics. If that's on the borderline, you don't have to do it. Okay, I'm talking about microscope. You can't possibly see the krill. It's like almost nothing. You probably kill more, you know, little bugs in the air on accident than the, than the krill. Or if you're going to go full to the other side, and the reason I'm sharing these is that 99% of the data is on fish oil. Krill oil has some data now in efficacy. Then we have algae oil, which that's like the full kind of vegan vegetarian option. But we don't have a lot of data on it. We do know that there's omega-3s, DHA, and EPA in there. But I want you to know how important DHA and EPA are. It's continued thread throughout Eat Smarter for metabolism aspects, sleep, and more. All right. So I hope that helps. Oh, last thing, magnesium, anything green. Anything green is going to be helpful. Um, Also, this is the one thing in my clinical practice I would have people supplement because such a deficiency is magnesium. So, but there's different types. There's citrate, there's sulfate. I recommend more so getting a topical magnesium, like magnesium spray and like rubbing it into your skin. Because if you take too much internal magnesium, depending on the type, there's many different types, it might cause some like rebound uh, evacuation, if you know what I mean. So you got to be careful about supplementation with magnesium. All right. So there's, there's some insights for you as far as like specific things, magnesium's at the top, omega-3s, potassium is also important. It's so funny you say that. Oh, my gosh, Sean. So one time I uh, for some reason, I've, I don't know if it's because I went to the doctor or something, but uh, I don't know what it was. But I was like, ah, I need to add some magnesium, you know, a magnesium supplement. And the next morning I was like, what in the world? It's like I drank one of those teas that make you go to the bathroom. I said, what? And. Magnesium, so don't, you know, just letting y'all know. It does happen. He's telling the truth. Eliza is still here. Yep, I see Eliza. Um, She says, I recently had gastric sleeve surgery. 75% of my stomach was removed. Post-surgery opened my eyes to how unhealthy mental social habits slash relationships can affect your weight loss journey. Some don't realize how much your social life emotions revolves around food. Food has given 
food given as reward as a reward as kids, holidays, indulgence, secret snacking, the media, um, etc. How do I avoid being sabotaged mm. by unhealthy mindset, social habits, society, relationships affecting my healthy eating habits? Mm. Mm. It's one of the most powerful questions of the day, right here, and. Oh man, this this part of this work has been the most important for me personally because I come from an environment where we don't even know. It's just like how can you eat better if you don't even know that exists? You know, I come up I come from an environment where we didn't know that it was a thing. We didn't know that there was a difference in types of food. Like it's just stuff you eat. We didn't know. And so as a result, most of the people that I knew had some kind of chronic disease. You know, my grandfather had two open heart surgeries at a young age. My, most of my family's obese, you know, diabetic, all these different issues, arthritis. Like this is just just the norm. And so I wanted to really communicate this in a graceful way, just how much our environment determines our food choices, but also how our food choices affect our environment. Right? Because we're not just products of our environment. We're also creators of our environment. But this question right here is so important because you're, you're saying the number one factor, which is awareness. When you become aware that this is a thing, it immediately can start to lose power over you. And so asking the question, what can I do? What can I do to help cultivate and support better eating habits is number one. Once you become aware of it, now we make the intention in understanding how much people influence And so let me give you an example. Let me give you a positive example. Harvard University researchers did a really great meta-analysis and they found that folks who eat dinner with their family just three nights a week, the family members on average eat tremendously higher rates of fruits and vegetables and tremendously lower rates of chips, soda, and processed foods simply by eating with your family, all right? I can count on my hands how many times I sat down and eat with my family if it wasn't a holiday. Literally just on my two hands, I can count the number of times it's ever happened. And it's not that we ate together, but separate. Like you just get the food, you go find somewhere to sit down. A lot of times in front of the TV, like that's just a culture. But eating together as a family breeds a different level of intentionality when it comes to the food that we're eating itself. All right. There's like a cultural thing imbued into that. So that's on a positive side. Right. So what's the what's the opposite is being away from the experience of eating, you know, which is like watching, you know, like watching TV all the time while you eat or whatever. Being more present with your food is going to be helpful. And also in the presence of people who are uh, uplifting and serving to your higher self, too. So this goes back from awareness to like, okay, I know this is an issue. Now we set the intention to have healthier people who are more dedicated to a healthier lifestyle in your life. This doesn't mean you don't love everybody else. It doesn't mean you run away. This doesn't mean that, you know, uh, Davion and them are not good people. This just means we need, that's my nephew, by the way. I said this is the first name I could think of. This just means I make the intention of putting healthy people in my circle because trust me, listen, Nine times out of 10, if you're hanging out with me and or Shanti, we're not going to have a candlelight 
KFC dinner. You feel me? Like, it's probably not going to happen, you know? Not to say we won't do a Friday donut, okay? But for the most part, when you eat, when you hang out with us, we're going to be eating better food. It's just what we do. I'm not going to even think about it, you know? But if we do happen to partake in a little bit of this and that, it's all good. But the general foundation of what we eat is just, it's good food. It makes us feel good, you know? So make it a mandate, because you're you're powerful. You are so powerful behind anything you can imagine. When you set your intention on making that your reality, that you have people who are supportive of your higher self and you stop settling, it's going to knock you out just how quickly all of life is going to conspire to change your circumstances and to bring those people into your life. You have to make it your intention and work on yourself to become the type of person who can receive it when it comes. Mm. That's it. I think in addition to that, Eliza, with just um, just sitting with people in your house, be it your daughter or whoever is home with you, it you know, you start to create conversation. If you're with your kids, you actually want to teach them more about what's on the table, why they're eating that. Because, you know, kids are picky as hell. You know, so it's those things. So now you get to become a teacher too. And I think that when you actually fellowship is what I like to call it together, you 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 talk more, which means you educate more, which means you're gonna you're gonna inspire each other more. Sean, thank you so much, man. You know I love you to death. I cannot wait. I am coming to LA. Uh, I've been quarantined. You know what I'm saying I you know I get my COVID test, but we are gonna I'm gonna be filming a podcast with Sean, so that's gonna be incredible. I'm so excited about that, and obviously we'll let you all know. But, um, you know, if you get a chance, please go to eatsmarterbook.com. Get that book. Sean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother.